Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. If you're a fan of The Avengers, you'll love this next book we're talking about. It's called He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, The Untold Romance Between John Steed and Mrs. Emma Peel, The Avengers. I'm talking with the authors right now. It's written by Charlene Jaffe and Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Lauren, Charlene, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me tonight. Good to be here. Thank you. This is a really unique book. You're taking a look at this relationship between two beloved characters. So can you tell me about the book? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start off. So, yeah, we uh, this is sort of a fun analysis of the relationship between John Steed and Emma Peel as it appears on the television show. So it's it's kind of film analysis, television analysis, and then a little bit of reading into the relationship and how people understand the relationship. Charlene had originally brought this project to me as an editor, and uh, she wanted to, she had a 25-page essay that she was interested in me working on. And then after going back and forth with her a lot on this, I wound up, you know, suggesting that we expand it a little bit more. And so we kind of became co-writers. And I sort of brought my understanding of film studies and my understanding of media studies. And, and she brought her passion and excitement and interest in the Avengers. And we kind of expanded the book from there. In the 60s, The Avengers it appeared in America, was the most popular show in America, and was showing in over 200 countries at that time. That's when I guess I first saw it. I was in college, a lot younger than I am now. <laughs> and I guess I, I, I just never lost my love of the show. And then it would stream in and out of American TV for a while. And then it came back, and I'm, I'm not quite sure why I decided to, to write about it, but I, I have about 18 books, so I was reading first. And then I guess it just took off. Very luckily, I found Lauren. I mean, and, and Lauren's made all the difference. She's a very wonderful writer and very, very knowledgeable about the entire series. So it was just kind of a lot of fun to write about something that you really loved. Yeah, it sounds like the collaboration between the two of you was really smooth. I think it was. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, I'll, I'll cover my ears if you, if you want to tell them something else. Yeah, no, no, it was. It was, like I said, it was a lot of back and forth, and there was a lot of discussion about how we wanted to approach it, how we wanted to approach the topic. You know, we did we did want to make it a little more serious. So like I say, it's, it isn't, um, it's fun, but it's, it is more trying to get into, you know, what proof is there within the, the context of the show about their relationship and why why does this particular um, relationship on the Avengers mean so much to so many different fans. And that's one of the things that I've experienced as a, as a fan of the Avengers, as someone who's just enjoyed watching the show, is that one of the major things that attracts most fans to it is particularly the relationship between John Steed and Emma Peel. And that was what we decided to focus on. Although we do go into things like Steed's characterization, Kathy Gale's characterization, um, and then also the, some of the later partners that Steed has, sort of as a, as a point of comparison to the way that he works with Emma Peel and what that means. 
The key for most Americans, though, was that combination of John Steed and Emma Peel. Emma Peel played by Diana Rigg and John Steed by Patrick McNee. And their chemistry, which was just amazing, the chemistry between the two actors, that really kind of made people want to watch that show and see how that relationship as characters developed. Well, this sounds like a really unique perspective on The Avengers, and I encourage readers to check it out, especially if you're a fan of the show. This is He Loves Me, He Loves Me Not, The Untold Romance Between John Steed and Mrs. Emma Peel, The Avengers, written by Charlene Jaffe and Lauren Humphreys Brooks. It's published by Fulton Books, and you'll be able to find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for books. Well, Charlene, Lauren... Thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I had a great, great time just doing this. I, I really, we, I really, I think we both really appreciate being able to tell everybody a little bit about this book. Wake Up Nations is a book that's just off the presses from Christian Faith Publishing, and I'm talking with the author right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, Ramotu Bello Osagi. Ramotu, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. So can you tell us all about Wake Up Nations? My book, Wake Up Nations, talks about the true living God, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The true nature of God came alive in my book by seeing the lowliness and meekness of the Lord, as well as his supremacy over his creation. Wake Up Nations talks about my childhood, which helps bring out a different way of parenting a child, nurturing her into the fear of the Lord. I remember as a young child, I wasn't sure what was happening to me. I talked with my grandmother, and she explained to me I was having dreams. This is one way the Lord was actually revealing himself to me. As I grew much older, I literally saw God in visions, especially in various places of worship, walking down the aisle, or standing in front of a group of people, or helping those in need. This happened over a long period of time. You may have heard about it or read about it, that people see God, but I actually experienced it. It's hard to capture it in one's mind. That is why it was so important to compile these revelations in a book. In these trying times of this pandemic, Wake Up Nations is here to give hope to the helpless and that Christ is living to redeem souls from destruction. Who would you say is your target audience for this book? My target audience, that's a very good question. My target readers are in three categories. The first category are those who believe in God. Wake Up Nations will help them in their daily work with the Lord. While the second category are the atheists, my book will awaken them to see the truth in God's word. Wake Up Nations is a confirmation to that effect. And then the third category are the go-betweens, that is the idol worshippers or the idolaters. Wake Up Nations will help tilt their beliefs towards the true living God, who is Jesus Christ. Is this the first time you've been published? Yes, this is my first published book. Oh, congratulations on that. Thank How's you. it feel now that you're a published author? Oh, after working on this book for so long, I was ecstatic and glad <laughs> that it was finished. About how long were you working on this? It took me a good part of five years, although there were breaks in between because I thought the book was going nowhere. During that break period, the Lord appeared to me and told me, write your book. I'm so glad <laughs> I did. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors? Yes, I encourage would-be authors to set their minds to writing the book of their choice. 
it is one step at a time. The first step is to start writing. Everything falls into place and not to let go of their dreams. Do you have a person in your life that you would say has inspired you the most in your writing journey? To tell you the truth, the Lord God Almighty inspired me. I almost gave up writing when he intervened and appeared to me and commanded me to write my book. I want to say a big thank you to him for his moral, emotional, and financial support. I was going to hide under the accounts of Apostle Paul, Peter, James, and John, because I felt people might not believe my account. Then the Lord told me, write your own, meaning write your own account of what you have seen. I encourage listeners to check this out. The book is Wake Up Nations by Ramotu Bello Osagi. Published by Christian Faith Publishing, you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your reading material. Well, Ramotu, thank you for joining me tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you very much. Animals go to music class in author Joanne Dale's new book, Robbie Robin Learns to Sing. I'd like to welcome Joanne to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Thank you, Joanne, for being here tonight. Oh, thank you. I know I'm going to enjoy it. As am I. So can you tell me about Robbie Robin Learns to Sing? Well, it's it's a little book about a, a robin who finds himself at one of those stages when he gets petrified when he's in singing class and he cannot sing. His instructor, Mr. Owl, tells him how that he thinks he can think about it and uh, hope that he'll come back with the, the solution, and he does. Where did the idea for this book come from? I'm not sure that there was any specific thing. I love birds, and music has always been a big part of my life, so it just kind of of evolved. (laughs) Is this the first book you've written or the first time you've been published? Well, I did a lot of self-publishing, family things, family trivia that everybody likes to hear, you know, a lot of pictures and things like that. But this is the first actually published book, yes. Was there anything different about self-publishing as opposed to getting it published this way that uh, was significant to you? Oh, my, yes. (laughs) (laughs) There was a lot. Well, I couldn't have done it without Fulton Books, but there's a lot of difference because you just kind of do your own thing and the size of the book and everything doesn't matter because you're just going to do it for family anyway. About how long did it take you to write the book and then have it on shelves? Actually, it didn't take too long to write, but I had it in my mind for a long time. I finally just sat down and did write it, and then I presented it about a year ago. It kind of rolled from there. You know, it it took uh, several months to get everything done, but we were finally coming down to just about having it done now. The illustrations in the book are very beautiful, and they're a really important part of a children's book, especially how did that process go for you? Well, I went to the director of the Shawnee Hills Art Center here in Anna, and I asked her if she knew of some high school student who might be interested in illustrating a children's book. And she said, let me look at the story. She looked at the story and she said, I'd like to do this if you wouldn't mind. So she wanted to help. Oh, I just think it was a perfect match there for the two of us. How does it feel whenever you see that your book is on shelves at Barnes & Noble or it's on Kindles from Amazon? What kind of feeling do you get? It's it's just a feeling that's pretty hard to express. It's wonderful. It's, uh, I don't know how to explain it exactly. (laughs) So now that you've been publishing, you've been writing, 
Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? I think they should think about it as an adventure, as something that's going to be a good thing in their life, happy thing. Start writing down little ideas. When you think you've got enough ideas together, then sit down and make your first draft. Don't stop there, but rewrite, rewrite, rewrite until you're sure it's the way you want it. The book is Robbie Robin Learns to Sing by Joanne Dale. This is published by Fulton Books, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Joanne, thank you again for coming on the show with me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you. A young man is learning to utilize his superpowers in the new book by J.M. Cobb called Codename The Final. And I have J.M. Jacob right here on the Reader House Author Roundtable with me right now. Jacob, thank you for being here on the show with me tonight. Absolutely. It's, it's a pleasure. Codename The Final. Can you tell me about it? You know, our protagonist, we've got Eli. He goes by The Final later on in the book, though. He kind of struggles figuring out if he actually is Eli or if he is the final. And, you know, coming to terms with uh, finding out that everything in the world that he's known isn't actually as it seems. You know, dealing with his powers, finding out there are other people in the world that have powers as well. So where did the idea for this story come from? I grew up uh, reading a lot of comic books. So my mind, anytime I went to write, kind of always had that supernatural a superhero type mentality in my writing. So when you wrote this, what gave you the inspiration to say, hey, let's see if I can get this published? Well, I started writing it a a long time ago, back when, you know, Marvel movies were on the rise and comics were kind of at an all-time high. You know, this is like, I think the third or fourth book that I've actually completed, but the first one I've tried getting published because... I felt like it was a a good time to try what with comics being on the rise and, you know, superhero type things being in everyone's mind. It just kind of uh, lagged along a little bit and I took a little bit longer with it than I was expecting. Is this the first book then that you've had published? It is the first that I've had published, but it's it's not the first that I've uh, completed. Congratulations on that first one up there on people's bookshelves. How's it feel doing that for the first time? Pretty good. You know, it's 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 for as long as I can remember, I've always wanted to be an author and, you know, finally being able to say that, hey, I actually am an author now. And and knowing that, you know, somebody out there has read my book and they like it, you know, that really feels amazing. And now you are an officially published author. You're a veteran of this. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors that would like to do the same? Honestly, just do it. I mean, if you've got the passion for writing, it's super fulfilling all the thoughts and things you can you can put out into the world through writing it's 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 definitely worth doing i, I would say take the time and and just do it do you envision more to this story maybe a follow up i actually keep going back and forth uh, my wife has you know helped talk me out of it and talk me into it but i planned on doing a trilogy then i planned on doing just a sequel and making it a super long sequel and then i planned on doing four books but I think a trilogy is about where we're sitting. That's fantastic. Would you consider your wife to be one of your inspirations in your writing journey? I don't know about inspirations, but she's definitely been a a big help since uh, she's been around. I actually started the book before we knew each other, but, you know, since being together, she's definitely helped me out a lot. Yeah, it's certainly important to have somebody close to you who's sort of partnering with you in the process and you can bounce ideas off of and you're not afraid to 
make a mistake or look like you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I've definitely annoyed her coming home from work and being like, babe, this is what I'm going to do in the next book. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And she just like, stop telling me. There's no point in reading it. I'm like, yes, yes, there is. Uh, You do a lot of writing. Do you ever hit writer's block? Yeah. I mean, I feel like anyone, you know, does, whether even big, well-known named authors, I'm sure they hit writer block. So I I think that's a pretty common thing in in the world. And, you know, me being a first-time publisher, I'm definitely no exception to that. Mm. What do you do whenever the ideas just aren't coming? There is a pianist that I like to to listen to. Hearing him play, it's it's Luke Faulkner. Hearing him play really helps me just kind of flow with it. And I kind of, I get into the music and just keep writing. Well, fantastic. We're looking forward to seeing more from you in the future, and I encourage listeners to check this out. This is Codename The Final by J.M. Cobb, published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you would shop for your books. Jacob, thank you for coming on the show again tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you for having me. A lot of people out there are going through some really tough times. And I'm thankful for authors like Miranda Carpenter, whose new book, When Life Hands You Lemons, looks to lift readers up, and it's out right now. Miranda, thank you for being here on the show with me tonight. I appreciate you being here. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me about When Life Hands You Lemons? Yes, absolutely. The book Life When Life Hands You Lemons um, is something we can all relate to. It uses metaphors to talk about what we can do with the lemons that we're faced with in life, You know, whether something small or something big. There's a variety of ways we can handle that, but it's really about opening up to others and bringing others in and, of course, ultimately turning to God and and looking for his guidance when those tough times come our way. It's a fun and upbeat way of looking at that. You know, um, it can be a great way to open up conversations with kids, especially when they go through tough times and they don't always know where to go or who to talk to, but um, it can be a fun way to open up conversations and establish those relationships, which can be so crucial when you're faced with those tough times. A lot of people are going to be able to use this. Is this for any age range? You mentioned kids. It sounds like this could benefit from kids to adults. I certainly would hope so. Yes, that's the idea behind it. I think the rhyming aspect to it, it's, it's a fun sing song kind of tone to the book which very young children certainly enjoy the bright, colorful pictures. But it's also one of those messages that does run very deep. And sometimes even adults, you know, just needing that little pick-me-up or time to refocus on on life and where your journey is heading, they can certainly do that as well. What's the story behind the book? How did the idea for this come about? I actually, we can all certainly relate to the idea of um, having problems in life and trying to figure out what to do with them. What sparked this book in particular was actually a sermon that I heard in church. It was about how when things don't go our way, we can pray and we can seek guidance and we can ask God for things. But when they don't go our way, we can think that he's not there or he's not listening or doesn't care about us. And what do we do? We can lose hope. But sometimes the answer, sometimes our journey isn't what we want it to be. And um, those troubles that we face can set us on the right direction. Maybe we're going the wrong way. Maybe it's a sign that we need to be doing something differently. Um, Maybe it is just a um, change of perspective. And maybe it's just something that we can use to help someone else through a tough time later down the road. It's really about that hope and continuing to find our, our right path and our right direction in life. Prior to this one, have you written a book before or been published before? 
this is my first publication. I've been writing books since I was very young, just for fun. And um, I have several other stories I have written over the years, um, but this is the first one that I um, have published. And I do feel like this is a, a good one to get out there, given the message. And it's a milestone. Congratulations. It's such a big deal getting published and getting Thank it you. out there for the world. How do you feel about that? Oh, it's very exciting. It's certainly a dream come true. Like I said, when I was very young, I would dream of becoming an author. It's something special, certainly, to see your name in print and to see your book available in stores and online and um, hearing from people who've read the book and sharing what it's meant to them or meant to their kids. And it certainly means a lot. There are a lot of people out there who have a story to tell, who want to write a book, but they just haven't gotten started yet. What advice would you have to aspiring authors? Don't give up. It's certainly tough. I mean, sometimes it's easy to write a book. It's certainly another thing to take the time involved to get it published. It's not always an easy process. It's about finding the right publisher with the right story at the right time and making, you know, if a publisher doesn't take your book, it doesn't mean your book's no good. It might just be not what they're looking for at that time. This book is When Life Hands You Lemons by Miranda Carpenter, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Miranda, thanks again for coming on the show tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. Readers will find themselves thrust into 12th century war-torn Spain. In the new book, The Valley Beyond, A Daughter's Bond. The author is T.S. Nichols, and I'm talking with him right now here on the Reader House Author Roundtable. T.S., Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Oh, can you tell me what your book is all about? Sure. This is a story about a young girl named Lucia. At the age of 13, she inherits the title of Countess from the presumed death of her father while he is on crusade in the Holy Land. In addition, she inherits several additional titles and a vast amount of wealth from her mother, who dies while giving birth to Lucia. Now, her wealth is coveted by the antagonist in the story. This is the count of the bordering realm next to hers. He needs Lucia's wealth to raise an army to take the throne of Castile in order to plunder the vast riches that lie in the south in El Andalus, the home of the Moors, and plots a demise to accomplish this. Now, this story is set against the backdrop of the ongoing wars against the Moors in late 12th century Spain. Lucia is challenged by her lack of maturity, assassination attempts, the love of her dear friend Isabella, befriending a Moor, a love interest of the French knight, and the ongoing questions concerning her deceased mother. These questions lead her to a duchy in France, only if she can survive her travels beyond the Pyrenees. By the way, this novel is part of a planned trilogy. Did you have a group of readers in mind when you wrote this? I guess a target audience? Sure. My target readers are anyone who enjoys a good historical fiction novel. I wrote this novel to be an easy read for anyone who enjoys a good book to take with them to the beach, or perhaps on a plane, or just enjoying a good read during the evening with a glass of wine at home in their easy chair. The main title of the book, The Valley Beyond, is representative of how Spain struggled to take back their country one area at a time in the long war of both defeat and conquest, which lasted over 400 years. Historical fiction sounds to me, considering the amount of research, would take a long time to write. How long did this one take you? After several years of research, it took me about two years of writing and editing to complete the novel. Is this your first published book? Yes, it is. And hopefully not the only book that I published. I, I have other books in mind, as a matter of fact. Well, congratulations on getting your first one published. It's such a 
big accomplishment. Do you have any advice now that you're a veteran of the process? Yes, I would say go after your dream. With determination, a certain amount of self-discipline, a lot of hard work, you can fulfill your dream of being an author. Now, that being said, it is difficult for a first-time writer to find an agent in a publishing company. However, don't give up. There are many avenues out there for you to explore, such as the traditional avenue of finding a publishing agent that may land you a big contract, which realistically is highly unlikely. Then there's the world of self-publishing, where you essentially become your own publisher. And finally, there exists the hybrid publishing world that is the bridge between self-publishing and traditional publishing. I urge everyone to explore all three of these avenues to find the best one that works for you. Can you think of a person in your life that has most inspired you or most encouraged you during your entire writing journey? First of all, I knew that I wanted to try writing in my retirement. At the wedding of my youngest daughter, a dear family friend, who was a person who inspired me, who had been a literary critic, uh, I told her my desire to write. By that time, I had already devised a plot line. Now, she listened carefully to the plot of my story and told me that I should definitely write it and encouraged me on. And along with my wife, who has nicely handled all the computer malfunctions and also served as a second reader for editing purpose. So where did the idea for this story come from? Are you a historical fiction fan or just a fan of history in general? I've always enjoyed reading stories of medieval times when I was young, the stories of chivalry in a bygone era. I remember reading the classic Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott. They got me interested in the time period. Also, current authors such as Sharon Newman have also influenced me. Yes, I would say that such books have had a heavily influence in my writing. Yes, often the writers are the ones who are the biggest readers. This is The Valley Beyond, A Daughter's Bond by T.S. Nichols, published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that you would shop for your books. T.S., thank you again for joining me tonight. It was great chatting with you. Once again, thank you for having me. Mom and Dad Help is a new book that addresses problems that children may face as they grow up. I'm talking with the author, Donnie Cook, right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Donnie, thank you for being here with me tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. Can you tell me what Mom and Dad Help is all about? Years back, well, my grandson right now, he's, he's 33. He was the firstborn. And I just used to walk 10 acres with my four dogs and three cats, and I had other animals. And I started watching animals. And I thought, you know what? The first grandson, I just wanted to do something. And I wanted to do something for kids because they need so much guidance out there. It's gotten to be where it's it's not funny. I know I know a few parents that will say, oh, it is what it is. It's not. You know, they need that little help from mom and dad. Mom and dad could laugh at the cute little things. But when they do those cute little things, when they get older, they're not so cute anymore. My grandson goes into the service, and the first thing they give him is a pack of cigarettes. And that's the rabbit. His name is Jared. And I thought, you know what? That's not right. Anyway, I thought smoking, the secondhand smoke was not good. And we know it's not good. So that's why I put the rabbit, Jared, into the secondhand smoke. And my children, they're hunters, and, and we taught them how to use them correctly and safely. And so I thought about the deers because I used to watch the deers in our meadow. They're out in the open, and so they just little, need a little protection. And Kaylee, the abused hen, 
what kids, when they're abused, when they're little, go get help? They're afraid. With Kaylee the hen and Bubba the rooster, I had wild hens and roosters, and I watched them, the roosters, how they would treat the hen. At the end there, strangers, I watched my granddaughter walk down the street and has her cell phone. And what's to come of it if somebody drives up in their van and grabs her? We'll never see her again. You know, and I want kids to be aware. And kids today have lost so much with God. They need that little bit of nudge. And that's something else that, you know, we need to teach our children. A little bit of faith, because things have changed today. I was admiring the illustrations in the book. Can you tell me how those came about? I live in a a really small area of about 56,000 people. I had to venture out a little bit because I wanted a college student to do the illustrations because to help them out. And my granddaughter had and said, Grandma, McKenna needs help with her college tuition. Can you help her? And I went, okay. So I gave her so much money, a story. I thought it'd be just something fun for the kids. Absolutely. It seems like a really great book for children as well as parents to get them motivated to be more proactive in the lives of their children. This book is called Mom and Dad Help by Donnie Cook, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Donnie, it was great speaking with you tonight. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thanks, Corey. Hope we can talk soon again. A widow-turned-private detective lands her first case in author Sava Mathau's new book, Hiding in the Dark, an Ellie Lynn Moore Mystery. I'm talking with Sava right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sava, thank you for joining me here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. This is an Ellie Lynn Moore mystery, Hiding in the Dark. Can you tell us all about it? I started working on this book about three or four years ago. And it was really important to me um, to get it done. After open heart surgery, I decided that it was very important for me to get this book out. And the book is about Ellie Lynn Moore. She is an older woman who loses her husband. Her children are grown. And so she decides something new is needed in her life. So she decides to become a private detective. And she decides just because she's older and she's now a widow, she still has a lot of life left to live. How did the idea for this come about? Well, you know, I've grown up with really strong women all of my life. I grew up with five very strong women, four sisters and my mother. And so I've always loved strong women characters. And, you know, I wanted a little piece of each of my sisters and the women who I love in my life to be a part of Ellie's character. So she's really based on a lot of people. Is this the first book you've had published? It is. It is. And it's really been, you know, a great experience. I've loved every second of it. It's a dream come true. It is a huge accomplishment. Congratulations on your first one out there. Well, thank you so much. How's it feel just knowing that your work's out there for the world? This is on people's bookshelves and Kindles. You know, it was exciting at first and still is exciting. And then, you know, it's kind of nerve wracking, too, because you put your work out there and you put so much effort into it. And when people are reading it, you really want them to love it. And so far, people are really loving the book, which is awesome. So I'm very, very thankful and feel very blessed. Did you have a specific group of readers that you had in mind while you wrote this? 
Well, you know, one of the things that I really wanted to have come through in the book was I wanted Ellie to be a caring, loving person, someone who is sort of an elder that really cares about people. And I think in today's times where we live through this pandemic, we have so many crazy things happening in the world. I think it's so important that we continue to show each other that we love and care about each other. And I really wanted that to come through in Ellie's character. Wow, that's a really important message, especially right now. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's so important. You know, you see so much hate in the world and you see so much division. And I just, I wanted Ellie to be just a little bit of love and nurturing, you know, being that elder character that people could love and care about. And so I really hope they connect with her. Well, thank you for putting a little more positivity and love into the world. Looking down the road, are you working on more now? Are you still writing? I am, yeah. And so I have two more books in this series that I'm working on. The second one is actually called Hungry Hollow, and it takes place in Upper Michigan. Ellie goes up there um, with Shelby, who is another character in the book, and they go up on vacation, and they are, so far, they're going to deal with poachers and murder. I'm still working on the book, so I've I've got it outlined, but it's going to be, you know, it's starting to get into its first draft. Well, we're looking forward to it. And again, I just thank you for using your creativity to put a little more positivity and love out there in the world. This is called Hiding in the Dark, an Ellie Lynn Moore mystery by Sava Mathal, published by Fulton Books. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Well, Sava, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a great time talking with you. Well, thank you so much, Corey. I really appreciate that you took the time to speak with me. The book we're discussing next here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is described as the most important booklet you'll ever own. It's called The New Holy Scriptures, and I'm joined by the co-author, Harley Davis, right now. Harley, thank you for being here with me tonight. I appreciate you, Corey. Now, I said the co-author because the other author is God, so can you tell us about this book? Well, Corey, I, I was just curious. Back in uh, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, I took a course in Christianity. I became ordained, but I wasn't called to preach. And God laid it on me real heavy to write these new scriptures. I kept telling him, no, I'm not qualified. And I argued for 20 years, and finally I, I gave in and did what he told me. I told him he had to tell me what to write. I didn't know. So this is the first book you've written or had published? Well, I'm a songwriter, actually. I've uh, It's first I've got published. Uh-huh. I've written some children's books and, of course, one thing and another. That's fantastic. It is a big accomplishment to be published and get your work out there. How does it feel now being a published author? Oh, it feels great. feels great. That's what I always wanted to do. <laughs> Would you have any advice for aspiring authors that want to write, they want to be published? Well, just hang in there. Don't give up. Just keep on. I'm, I'm 85 years old, and I finally got published. Are you working on another book? Uh, not right now at the present. I've got a few ideas, but uh, I hadn't got started on them yet. And about how long were you working on this one before it hit shelves? Uh, a year, I'd say. What would you say is the most challenging thing about writing the book? Is it actually writing it? Is it editing it, getting it ready for publishing? What would you say? 
Well, I think editing is is a big part of it. Of course, this one I didn't have to edit that much. I uh, all I had to do is write down what God told me to write. Now the spelling I had to edit. I'm not a good speller at all. <laughs> Everything about it is kind of challenging sometimes. <laughs> it is. It is. Now I said this book has been described as the most important booklet you'll ever own. Can you talk about that? Well, I think what God wants us to do, uh, there's some of us just gets in a religious rut. And uh, he wants us to get out of that rut and think outside of the box and uh, become like Jesus did with, you know, Christ consciousness. He said that we could all do what Jesus did, but we don't, we, we just stay in one place and we don't try and try to develop that Christ consciousness and and I think that's what this book is about. I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and study it again myself to make sure, but it's what I kind of got out of it. So what sort of a reader are you? Often writers are the biggest readers, so uh, I assume the Bible. Yeah, and uh, anything progressive, you know, that's positive. I was born upside naked, naked and upside down, naked and in debt, and I try to get a positive attitude as much as I can, and that's what I like to read, something that's very positive. Well, indeed, we need more positivity out there. We need as much as we can get. So this is The New Holy Scriptures by God and Harley Davis, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Well, Harley, thank you for being here today. It was great chatting with you. Thank you, Corey, and you have a blessed day. A young child finds an enchanting friend at the ocean in author Jim Mackin's new book, Luna and the Seagull. I'm joined by Jim right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Jim, thank you for being on the show tonight. Well, you're welcome. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Luna and the Seagull sounds like a really interesting book. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually was inspired by uh, my granddaughter, whose name is Luna. The first part of the uh, the story she visits uh, Florida with her parents at Christmas to see her Aunt Jessie. These are all real people. She spots a seagull and points at it. That inspired me to write the book. In the book, she wonders why it is that the, the seagull can fly, but she can't. And then eventually, she feels like she'll, she'll be able to fly. And she falls asleep, and she's, she's really dreaming. But the, the story has her joining the seagull. They become fast friends. He teaches her how to fly, and then they have all kinds of adventures. They they go to the, uh, the rainforest. They go into the ocean, and all the time they're singing songs, which are uh, listed at the in the back of the book. But by the end of the book, she becomes too big to fly anymore, and the seagull has to fly back to Florida, but she meets new friends, Jack and Jill. What age range would you say would be the most appropriate for this? You know, I think actually... Because it has the, the songs in it, you know, Itsy Bitsy Spider, etc., it really ranges down to probably about one year old. I, what I discovered with my granddaughter is that little kids really, really love songs to be sung to, but all the way up probably to about seven or eight, something like that, between one and, one and eight, I would say. Is this the first book you've written or first time you've been published? Uh, it's not, but it is the first time I've, uh, I've tried uh, a children's book. Oh, how was that for you? It was a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> it, was, 
it was great to just be able to use my imagination and, and take myself back to uh, when I was that age. What would I like? You know, so it was a lot of fun. A big part of children's books is the illustrations. How did that go? Well, the illustrations were actually done. That, I was worried about that, and that's why I, I contracted with uh, Fulton Books. They had the illustrations done, and they did a great job with it. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors? Yeah, you know, I, I think you just have to go for it. It's very difficult. Writing is very difficult at the start. But once you get into it and start going with it, letting your imagination just go where it goes, it actually becomes a lot of fun. And it becomes a lot easier as well. Something else a lot of us authors deal with is writer's block. Do you deal with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What's your strategy? You know, I just let it go for a while. Then uh, eventually I'll, I'll come back to it. I have another book that I wrote. haven't really tried to publish it yet. It's a, uh, a, a time travel novel. And I ran into that constantly where I get writer's block. But then I would just sit back and kind of let it let it, the story come to me. Eventually, I would, I would uh, get through the, the writer's block. This book is Luna and the Seagull by Jim Mackin, published by Fulton Books. You can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you shop for your books. Well, Jim, thank you again for coming on the show with me tonight. I had a great time talking with you. All right. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Author Michael Branch relates life to a game and wants readers to be victorious. In his new book, The Ultimate Championship, I'm talking with Michael right now here on the show. Michael, welcome. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you. Thank you for all you do. Absolutely. Can you tell me about The Ultimate Championship? Uh, I think The Ultimate Championship uh, will kind of open people's eyes to why they're in the game of life. And what inspired you or gave you the idea to write this? Well, I was coaching for many years. I've been a teacher and a coach, and I was in Charleston when the tragedy happened at the Emanuel AME Church. And I really wanted to get young people out of their rooms, off the video games, and get them back into the game of life and kind of make a personal playbook to help guide them. Is this the first book you've had published? Uh, yeah, this is the first book I've had published. I've had some poems published before in the Library of Congress, but this is the first book I've worked on. Oh, congratulations on getting that one out there. How does it feel being a published author now? It's kind of <laughs> humbling. Um, my wife and uh, my daughter were, were really excited to see it in print and, and, you know, available on the Internet and stuff. So I'm very excited, very, very excited. And it looks like a book that's going to help a lot of people. But did you have anyone in specific in mind, a sort of a target audience? Yeah, my target audience, it really could be anyone. But mainly I wanted to get young people, Christian athletes, back involved in, in the church. I mean, we, we need those skills. Uh, we need their abilities to get back involved in their local church and stuff. Some people can sing, some people can preach, some people can teach. You know, my school, uh, my church, you know, has me cut the grass. <laughs> so now that you've been publishing, do you have any advice for upcoming authors? Oh, yes. I'd say stick to your dreams, you know, make notes and then uh, keep your notes and then go through them and, uh, and keep going along with your notes and, you know, to make it a reality one day. When it comes to this book, your first nonfiction published work, how long did it take you to put together and then get off shelves? Well, I spent a lot of time driving. I was driving back and forth to Charleston, and I would listen to um, Christian radio stations. And I would write down notes, points that I would hear and things, and I kept those notes. 
so about a year, I guess, from the time I started taking notes to the book actually being published. Are you going to continue to write? Are you considering publishing more? Uh, down the road, I do have another idea that I would like to maybe work on and get published. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Can you think of a person in your life that's most inspired you or most encouraged you along your writing journey? Oh, wow. Um, of course, my wife, Wanda, she's um, been awesome and kind of pushing me to get it done, get it done, and and would review my notes and help me. Also, I think the, you know, just the need for something to be out there to to help young people as a playbook in the game of life. Were you ever stuck for an idea when you were writing this, a writer's block situation, and then how did you get through it? Going back to the books, a faith-based book, so I think I would get stuck in what I wanted to try to say, but I would go back to scripture, and it was like, just gave me the words to to meet what I needed to say in the book. Now, as we close here, is there one statement that you'd like readers to know about this book? Look at it, share it. Whatever you have to do to get young people, anyone who's in isolation, to get them back into the game of life, contact them, get them the book, read it yourself, give it to them, share it. Whatever we need to do to get people back into the um, ultimate championship, because uh, we're all going to be there. The book is The Ultimate Championship by Michael Branch. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing, and you'll find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Michael, thanks again for being on the show here tonight with me. It was great talking with you. Oh, thank you so much. The title of the next book I'm going to talk about is something that I try to practice every day. It's Gratitude. And I'm talking with the author, Marianne Stephen, right now. Marianne, thank you for being here with me tonight. Oh, Corey, thank you for having me. Can you tell us what your book, Gratitude, is all about? Well, my book is about feeling and expressing gratitude for all things, big and small, as well as good and bad. Science proves that through positive psychology, gratitude leads to happiness, and happiness leads to success. In my book, I share 120 things that I am grateful for. Then I complement my personal expressions of gratitude with quotes and proverbs from great leaders and thinkers to spark gratitude in others, to connect daily life to wisdom, both practical wisdom and profound wisdom. I guess while these expressions are autobiographical, they do have a universal reach because I know that we are more alike as a people than different. It's critical to see the intrinsic value of all things to garner gratitude, to practice gratitude. For example, I mention in my book that I hold gratitude in my heart for an old wood ruler. Why is this significant? It's noteworthy to me because of its intrinsic value. For instance, it's not just a ruler, it's part of nature. A tree gave up its limb or part of its trunk, so a ruler could be produced. I see the ruler as having a life because of the inventor, the manufacturer, and ultimately the transporter of the ruler, so it could be sold in stores. When we see its intrinsic value, We experience the gift and well-being of gratitude, actually of essence, divine essence. 
You know, expressing gratitude also brings grace, and it alleviates suffering during stressful times. That's been my experience. When we remain in the moment of life's blessings, when we appreciate family and friends, pleasant breeze, or lend a helping hand despite our trials, we receive blessings and we're fortified through the gift of gratitude to face these challenges. I find that I ultimately feel better and feel grounded during the difficult times I experience when I pause to be grateful. People have said that my book is the kind of book you pick up again and again for spiritual nourishment. I've also heard that it deepens gratitude within. But I tell you, I feel blessed to have written it. I feel it was an opportunity for me to help others through my own practice of gratitude as an example to follow or massage according to your own spirit. I guess it all boils down to For me, I know that to feel and express gratitude is life-changing. Yeah, people begin to realize that gratitude can be even for the smallest of things. It's not just for the big things, for I'm thankful that I have a house, I'm thankful I have food on the table. It's also for the smaller things. It's really, really important. Well, Marianne, thank you again for writing this. This is Gratitude by Marianne Stephen, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you shop for your books. Marianne, thanks again for being here tonight. It was fantastic talking with you. Oh, it was my pleasure, Corey. Have a great evening. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.